Today, we are in this series called Five Easy Ways. Five Easy Ways to Wreck Your Life. And we're, we're looking at the first one. This is part two, but we're looking at the very first way that we could wreck your life or that you could wreck your life. And this one is really almost like none of the others because you could almost, this one is so hard to bounce back from. Many people don't ever bounce back from this one. It's that devastating. We're going to look at adultery. Now, the reason, so I'm going to teach you five easy ways to commit adultery. Five easy ways. The reason that we started this series is because over the years, we've seen people trash their lives, wreck their lives, destroy their lives. We've seen people do that over the years. We've seen smart people and dumb people. We've seen cute people and ugly people. We've seen rich people and poor people. We've seen people who thought it could never happen to them. We've seen it across the board. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a series for you that would hopefully give you some warning signs before the tragedy happens, before it all goes south. So I'm going to pray for you, but this is going to be a very, uh, maybe tough, maybe difficult, maybe uh, hard sermon for you to absorb. Because some of you who are here right now, this is not just a talk, this is not theory, this is something you've experienced. Perhaps you were the adulterer, perhaps you were the one who was... Uh, committed uh, adultery against, maybe, maybe you're in that situation now. And so wherever you are, whether this is something you think can never happen to you, you've experienced it before, or you might be experiencing it right now, this, we pray, is a message that um, speaks to your life. So we're going to pray. We're going to ask God for help. And... Um, not going to be too many jokes in this one. We're just going to go uh, and see. It's a very serious subject, and I pray that, I'm, that God might use his word to protect you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this time, for this moment, where we might reflect on some really serious issues. Lord, would you help me to preach this sermon as uh, a reminder of how wonderful Christ is? and not just the list of to-dos and to-don'ts? Would you help me to preach this sermon as a, a means to see Jesus more beautifully and not just a, a sermon to tell people what not to do? And Lord, I pray that you would touch every heart, especially those here who are on the very ledge. Lord, I pray that you would draw them back to yourself. We thank you for this word, and we thank you for what you're about to do in our own hearts. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Grateful that you're here. Last week we started this series called How to Wreck Your Life in Five Easy Steps. And one of the main things that we spoke about was that there's two different philosophies on how to live life. One is how close can I get to the ledge without falling off? The person who lives like this never asks the question, is this wise or unwise? They ask, how far can I get before I destroy everything? Like, how far can I get before I wreck everything? I don't want to do right. I just want to go one step before regret. That's what the person who lives this way. And we said that there, there's two ways to live. You could either live with your life on the edge, or you could live with your life there's a better question to ask. It's not how close can I get to the edge without falling off, but how close can I get to the heart of Christ and fall in love? I want to live a life that is for Christ, in Him, rejoicing in Him, celebrating and being filled, being satisfied in Jesus. And the question isn't how close can I get to the edge, but how close can I get to Christ? And so that 
was a different kind of paradigm. Now, we also said last week, and you can look up the message, we said a lot of stuff, but this the main, one of the, some of the main things is that Jesus gives a gift if you love Jesus and you don't love Jesus. If you're spiritual or you're not spiritual. If you're kicking the Christian tires or you've been walking with Christ for years, he gives a gift, and the gift is called wisdom. Wisdom. And this gift is given so that you might benefit. This gift of wisdom. Wisdom is simply living like tomorrow is today. That's all. Foolishness is living like today is all that matters. That's, that's the difference between wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom is living like tomorrow is today. And foolishness is like today is all there is. So we're going to uh, look at a section of scripture where a father speaks to his son and how he warns him not to go down the road of adultery. We're going to see this. Now, this is a father speaking to his son, so you're going to see a lot of masculine pronouns. But women, this also applies to you. Also, if you're here and you go, but I'm not married. I can't commit adultery. I want you to know that this message is also for you. There's a warning signal here that I want you to pay attention to. And then those of you who think, oh, this will never happen to me. This can never happen to me. I want you to keep your eyes open. So before we get into the scriptures, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five easy steps on how to commit adultery. So get your pens out. Open, a, open your bulletin and get your notes out. Write these five things down because these are five easy steps that anyone here, I have confidence in you, you can do this. Anyone here can do these five easy steps. And we'll start with the first one. The first thing I want you to do, if you're going to be successful at committing adultery, what I want you to do is I want you to neglect your marriage. Write that down. Neglect your marriage. I want you to, listen, I want you to give yourself to other things. Give yourself to the kids. Give yourself to work. Give yourself to a hobby. I want you to neglect your marriage. Because if you're going to be successful in committing adultery, you're going to first have to start ignoring the relationship that you have now. Neglect your marriage. Now, guys, what I want you to do is I want you to totally uh, uh, take your wife for granted. I want you to neglect her in that way. I want you to watch more TV than you uh, talk to her. Women, what I want you to do is completely let yourself go. Don't care at all about how you look or what your health is like. Don't do anything like that. What I want you to do is just completely ignore how you look. First thing I want you to do is neglect your marriage. The second thing, if you're going to commit adultery, here's the second way. Form an emotional bond. Now, I'm going to teach you how to do this because this can be complex to do, but I, I think you'll be able to manage it. I want you to form an emotional bond. First way you form an emotional bond is by letting your imagination run wild with the possibilities of the other person. I don't want you to live in reality. I want you to live in fantasy. And by doing that, what I want you to do is I want you to form an emotional bond by comparing the other person's highlight reel with your spouse's backstage footage. I want you to compare what they look like on Monday morning when they come in all dolled up, looking nice, as nice as they're going to look. I want you to compare that with how your spouse looks when they wake up in the morning. I want you to form an emotional bond. Another way you can form an emotional bond is just by opening up emotionally to them. Start talking about the deep things in your heart. Make sure it's not with your spouse. Don't tell your spouse any deep things in your heart. God forbid. What I want you to do is I want you to tell them the deep secrets, longings, desires, and hopes and dreams that you have in your heart. Create an emotional bond with them. You can also uh, create an emotional bond is if you complain about your spouse to them. 
This is a great way to bond with them because then, then they can tell you how they would act towards you, which would make you feel more loved. It's a great way to stir an emotional bond between you. So let's, let's, let's review because I don't want to go too fast. The first way you can uh, commit adultery, the first step to committing adultery is to neglect your marriage. The second one is to form an emotional bond. The third one is to flirt wherever possible. Boy, write that down. Flirt wherever possible. Do not stop flirting. Here's what you do. Guys, say jokes that have a sexual tinge to them. Make sure that you throw those in. Women, make sure that when you say something, it can be taken with a sexual connotation. Make sure you do that. Flirt wherever possible. You know, you can also flirt because of technology. You can flirt by email or text message, but make sure you delete them, okay? Because you don't want to get caught. Delete them. Also, make excuses, especially at work. Make excuses for reasons why you have to see them. Like if they're in another department or on another floor, if they're like, you know, what you need to do is you need to make excuses about why you need to meet them. Like, you know, if the bathroom is to the south, what I want you to do is I want you to go north, then go around, then go south so that you can make sure that you pass by where they're working and strike up a conversation and make sure, again, it's flirtatious. Oh, this is a good one. When you're flirting, be sure to comment on their appearance. Don't tell your spouse how nice they look. Don't tell your spouse how nice their hair is. Don't tell your spouse how well the clothes fit them, but you make sure you tell this person what they look like and how nice they are and how nice they look and how good they smell. Make sure you express that verbally. Fourth, I want you to make excuses and rationalize your actions. Now, this one's important, guys. If you don't do this one, you're not going to be able to have an adulterous affair, okay? You got to make excuses and rationalize your actions. Say things like this to yourself. Rehearse things like this in your mind. Well, if my spouse was meeting my needs, and then finish whatever the way you want with that sentence. Say also this. I deserve to be happy. Make sure you say that over and over. Never, ever, ever ask yourself the question, what do you mean when you say happy? But just make sure that that statement runs in your mind over and over and over again and have a fuzzy idea of what you mean by that. Say things like this. Well, if my spouse would just and then finish that sentence any way you want. You see, you have to convince yourself that your actions are appropriate, that your actions are right, that your actions are what's necessary. You have to make excuses, and you have to rationalize, because remember, God has given you a conscience, and God, hey, listen, you don't want that thing going off, so you have to make an airtight argument, even if it makes no sense to no one else. Don't worry. It's only got to make sense to you. So let's review. First, we want to neglect our marriage. Then we want to form an emotional bond with the person. Then we want to flirt wherever possible. We want to make excuses and rationalize your actions. And finally, and this one I think is most important, listen. Think adultery can't happen to you. Convince yourself that you're beyond that step. Tell yourself that there's no way. Whenever an alarm comes up, just squash that alarm by saying, that can't happen to me. There's no way. We're just going out for coffee. There's no way. We're just talking. There's no way. He's married, I'm married. There's no way. Just tell yourself that. Tell yourself that adultery can't happen to you. Now, if you work hard, and you don't, some of you, listen, you don't even have to work that hard. 
Some of you are well on your way. All you have to do is add one or two of these, and you will, be, you will arrive at an adulterous affair. That's how you commit adultery, in five easy steps. Now, the thing that makes this so tragic is that it's utterly predictable. It's totally predictable. Everyone can see adultery happening. Everyone but the people who are involved in it. I have seen so many lives blow up. I have seen so many hearts broken, so many children's tears, so many marriages devastated because of this thing that we're going to take all of today and talk about it because I want you. Listen, the reason that I gave you those five is because none of us, none of us have a model of what adultery looks like. We walk around thinking it can't happen to us, thinking that it's not going to be the way of our lives. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it can happen to you. It can not only happen to you, it might already be happening to you. So I don't want you to wait before you're all the way close to the edge and you're having lunch with the person you're attracted to. Or maybe you're not attracted to them then, but it's building. I want, you to, I want you to, before you get to the ledge, I want you to be able to see it many, many steps ahead. Ask yourself questions like, why would, why would I go to see, why am I, why is it that I'm anticipating seeing them? You know what I mean by anticipating? Like, you know, you start dressing for them. You start thinking about, oh, I can't wait to see them. You start thinking about what you're going to say when you see them. So these are the five easy steps. Now, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at God's word to avoid this nightmare. And the reason that we're going to do it, listen to me. The reason we're going to do that is because we're going to avoid some of the greatest mistakes in your life. And some of you don't believe that. And some of you know it all too well. I mean, this is what you're living. You lived step one through five, and you're in deep regret, deep pain over it. You see, every one of us wants to have a healthy, strong marriage. But we just don't seem to have a plan to protect against some of the Vices that would destroy that. So we want to look to this. We're going to look to Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to look at the entire chapter. Now, it's our tradition to stand at the reading of God's word. So I want you to stand. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. And then we'll all read verses 15 and on. Again, this is a really serious subject, and it's not emotionless. Isn't that true? Some of us, listen, even if, you, even if you're not sure about the devastation in your own divorce, maybe you've experienced the divorce of your parents. Maybe you've experienced the pain of adultery within your family. You know that it's devastating. My prayer is that you would hear God's word and turn to him and from sin. So let's look at verse 1 in Galatians chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her path wanders aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near her, the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others. 
and your dignity to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life, you will groan when, you flesh and, when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people altogether. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of the sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. This is God's word. Okay, so the theme for this entire series can be said in one simple statement. I want you to evaluate before you devastate. That's the theme for the entire series. We're going to go back to this idea. This idea that long before disaster happens, long before destruction happens, long before you find yourself in the place of no return, that there are ways that you could see if you're going in the wrong direction and make alterations, make changes. So we're, we're saying, I want you to evaluate before you devastate. Another way to say this is in the ghetto fabulous way, and that's to check yourself before you wreck yourself, okay? Right? So we want you to, we want you to just go, okay, I'm going to look at what I'm doing. I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to search my heart because I'm not going to wait till a nightmare happens and then ask the silly question that everybody asks. How did I get here? Oh, it's easy. You got there one decision at a time. So let's look at the text. Now, listen, if you're new, I should say this because this is really... a. If you're here, especially if you're new, you're like, good grief, this is why I don't come to church. Um, this is really heavy. What we're talking about is not emotionless. You know, you, we all have experience with this, either with a friend or with a family member, perhaps our own experience. What I want to say to you is this, that the solution is not found in your past, the solution is found in Christ. And I'm going to dig into that, but we're going to have to go through some really painful terrain before we get there. And so hang with me. This in Proverbs 5, like Proverbs, Proverbs is simply wisdom literature. It says, do this, don't do that. Follow this, avoid this. Proverbs regularly and, and consistently uh, puts two women against each other, poses two women against each other. There's Lady Wisdom and Madam Folly. Lady Wisdom is the woman that you want to pursue, the woman that you want to make your wife, the woman that you want to run after. Lady Wisdom is. Madam Folly, you want to run from and never have a conversation with and never step into that relationship. Because the fact is, is that most of our pain, most of our devastation, most of our hurt could be avoided 
if we just pursue wisdom. We make wise choices. And the thing is, and this is the painful thing about wisdom, is that it's not like a secret, right? Like, if I say, hey, guys, don't have a meal with a woman who's not your wife. Unless they got your last name, don't have a meal with them. It's an unbelievably intimate thing. You go, oh, you're kidding me. You're, you're kidding me. I can't take her out on day. I can't do this. Listen, 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 listen. And I'm talking about married men. It's an unbelievably intimate thing. And I know this, that no matter how extreme you think I am right now, if you commit adultery, you would beg God to turn the hands of time back and be far more extreme than I'm telling you to be now. You would give everything you own. Now, that's extreme. But there's a way to avoid it. I'm not being extreme. I think I'm just using common sense. I think I'm just using wisdom. But let's, let's look at the text. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. So this is a conversation between a father and a son. Ladies, you're not exempt. This is very easy. To, if you just change the pronouns, just go with, you know, when he says, watch the adulterous woman, if you just think of the adulterous man, this will be a very easy sermon for you to apply to your own lives. You go, wait, I'm single. This doesn't apply to me. I can't commit adultery. I'm not married. Listen to me. This is a gift. I'm giving you, I'm giving right now, I'm going to give a gift to the man you haven't met yet. I'm going to give a gift to the wife you haven't met yet. This is a gift. So pay attention. This is an all skate. Don't fax this one in and start counting whatever lights are in the room and, sa- and start thinking about what you're going to wear for tomorrow. I want you to really focus in, especially if this has never happened to you. I want to be a gift to you. Verse 3. For the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. Now listen, here's the thing. You know, sin never comes at you ugly and smelling bad. Do you know this? Have you, ever, have you ever noticed, right, that, that Satan doesn't come after you with unpalatable things, right? I've never been tempted to eat poop, right, on the floor. But I've been tempted to eat some other stuff, right, because Satan would never come at me with poop. You know what he comes at me with? Other stuff, right, the sweets, the salty stuff, whatever it is. Satan always comes at you with stuff that's appealing to you. Following the adulterous woman, she, it's no surprise then that she, her lips drip honey and that her speech is like oil. She, listen, what she says is sweet and she says is smooth. What she said, man, you start thinking, why doesn't my spouse talk to me like that? You know, my spouse never says anything like that. But here's the contrast. In the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she doesn't even know it. You see, while her presentation is sweet, and smooth, the reality is, is that she's a bringer of death. That she, she delivers the grave. That while her, her speech is something that's appealing, while his talk is something that meets a need that you have, in the end, it's attempted murder. Verse 7, now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door to her house. Let's everybody read verse 8 together, okay? One, two, three. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Listen, you know why? Because when you go near the door, you know what you do? You knock. 
And you know what happens when you knock? They answer. You know what happens when they answer? They invite you in. You know what happens when you, they invite you in? You go in. Let's say you don't go in 999 times out of 1,000. It only takes one time to ruin your life. It only takes one time to crush your children. It only takes one time, once. Don't even go close. Let's live life in a different way. Let's not go close to the edge. Let's not ask, how close can I get? Well, it's just breakfast. It's, we're just going out for coffee. It's just a kiss. It's just, listen, let's not. Let's not it go even close to her house. Now, listen to me. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for you? Let me tell you what it looks like for me, right? And I've told you this before, but these are the, and you're going to call me crazy. You're going to go, oh, this is so overdone. Let me tell you something. You know what's, you know what's, you know what's worse than the boundaries that I have? Regret. Regret. And believe me, listen to me, look at me. I have more regret already than I know what to do with. I don't want to add anymore. I bet you don't either. These are some of the things. I don't eat, and I've told you this before, so I'll make it quick. I, I don't eat with a woman who doesn't have my last name. If they're my daughters, if they're my mom, if they're my sister. If you don't have my, my, my wife, obviously. Uh, if, um, if you don't have my last name, I don't eat with you on a one-on-one. -on -one. If it's, it could be three people, right? So it's like, you know, uh, this guy, this guy, and this girl. That's different. But if it's a one-on-one, -on -one, I, don't, I don't eat with you. Not breakfast, not lunch. I don't. I don't share a snack at all. Why? Because it's unbelievably intimate. You don't believe me, just check every single date you've ever gone to in your life. Every single date. You want to take the person out to what? Eat. Why? It's very intimate. Secondly, don't flirt. Don't talk dirty with people. Not in joking. Not in, not in seriousness. Don't flirt. Third, I'm never in a room with a woman who doesn't have my last name by myself without the door being open. I don't mean unlocked. I mean open. You don't believe me, just walk by my office when I'm counseling people. You'll see that the door is ajar. These are my boundaries. What are yours? Some of you, you need to never take a massage ever again. And the only people who need to get that are the people who already have experienced that or know about that. You need to never get a massage again. You just need to say, you know what, I'm going to have to stay with my back pain. Or find a really ugly old man to, um, to massage your back pain problems. You see, that's, that's a goof and that's funny, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. There are no happy endings in that story, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right, I, I want to speak plain with you because I'm telling you, at the other side of this is a very destructive, you want to commit suicide at the other side of this. What are your boundaries? I don't know what your boundaries are. Maybe, maybe you've passed through a bunch of red lights. You've got to change your job now. You've got to leave your department. What's your boundaries? I don't know what your boundaries are. Maybe you, have to, maybe you, you simply have to say, I cannot counsel. I, can't, I know you're my friend. I know you're my buddy, but I can't counsel you in your relationship struggles. I simply can't. I get too emotionally involved. What are your boundaries? What are your... What are, none? You have no boundaries? You walk right up to the woman's house? You walk right up to her door? You have no boundaries that you can articulate? Oh, man, I feel so bad for you. I'll, you know, make, a schedule, make an appointment. We'll talk. I feel so bad for you. What are your boundaries? For some of you, it's just simply not having any internet in the home. The things that you see are absolutely devastating to your heart. For some of you, it's no cable. You just simply have to take, listen, we entertain ourselves. This is how pervasive this is. We entertain ourselves with adultery. 
I mean, these shows aren't called Scandal for Nothing. We entertain, like this is where we go to for fun. And we think it's no big deal. If you don't think that this is a serious issue, think about this. When was the last time you ever saw a sex scene in a movie that had a married couple in it? That it was actually a husband and wife? It doesn't happen. You'd have to go way, way back. Why? Because it's something we, it's, it's something we feast on. It's something, don't stay. Some of you have to stop reading the novellas you read. And it's just, but we're talking about boundaries. We're talking about putting things up. You, listen, the, the, the Fifty Shades of Disaster is not for you. The little ghetto novels, they're not for you. Don't go see that movie. Don't go read those books. Listen, some of the music that you listen to is madness. Madness. You stir yourself up and you wonder why you're so sexually charged. Because you're feasting on it. It's part of your regular diet. You go to the woman's house. You knock on her door. She doesn't answer fast enough. You start banging on it. Verse 8. The father says to his son, keep to a path. Far. Somebody say far. Far from her. Don't even go near her house. You know, the best way to avoid a temptation is to never pursue it, is to never be around it. What's your boundary? You have none? Oh, man. Verse 9. Lest you lose, and this is the consequence of going close to her house. Isn't that the consequence of going in? is the consequence of coming close. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. In other words, in other words I was just talking to a guy. I, I, this was Wednesday. He gets, you know, he, get, uh, he gets his pay, or not his pay, he gets a check uh, every month. And something like $800 of it goes to his ex-wife for his children. That's what that's talking about. Right? You go, wait up. That dude is, I think those are new sneakers. I think I might have bought him new sneakers. Yeah, right, exactly. You go, wait, wait, wait. Now he's living with her. I think, I think that's my furniture. I think I might be paying for where she's sitting right now. Yep, mm-hmm, that's exactly right. Because when you go outside of God's will, when you move towards this path, everything that was once yours is up for grabs. You will say how I hated discipline, exclamation point. How I hated discipline. How I hated these kinds of sermons. How I hated making a list, a real list, not just be going, mm, but making a real list of your boundaries. I hated this. But boy, when you do it, you say this, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. You know, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you could stand up under. Here's the deal, folks. This is your 1 Corinthians 10.13 moment. Because in the end, you would beg to reverse the hands of time if you ever get caught up in this. This is your moment where God is giving you a way out. Unless you think I'm just thinking about adultery, there are some of you who are single who think you'll find your happiness in the arms of a lover, and I'm telling you, you're moving in the wrong direction. Your happiness will be found in the arms of your Savior, not in your sin. Your happiness will be found in Christ, not in your turning from him. Verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in public squares? Now, here's the thing. This is actually 
super erotic Hebrew poetry. You go, I don't see it. I know. Uh, because it's not as blatant as our American uh, our erotic literature is. This is unbelievably erotic. He's telling this guy to enjoy your wife. Drink your wife, even. And he's telling him, don't let the, what is it? Your own well overflow in the streets. In other words, don't let your seed go to this girl and this girl and this girl. If you don't believe that's destructive, just ask people with more than one baby mama drama uh, happening in their lives. You know what they did? They let their well go off to every part of town. And now they have baby mama drama number one. Baby, not, you go, man, it's baby mama drama. Which one is it? Baby mama drama number one? Or number two? Or number three? And they go, no, this one's number three. Last week was number two. Oh, all right. Well, what they did was they let their well go all over the town. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. Don't, don't share your seed. Don't be sexually active with others. May your fountain be blessed. Again, more erotic talk. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Guys, this is, this is an exercise, a daily exercise. If you're married, this is a regular exercise that you should rejoice in the wife of your youth. Find ways to rejoice in your wife. I tell you, when it gets to year 15, year 30, year, it, it can get difficult, but this is an exercise that you grow in. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let me give you an example of how you can rejoice in the wife of your youth, right? Say, for instance, guys, say, for instance, when you met your wife, your flavor and her size was a size six. Okay, so that was your flavor. Size six, that's my flavor. I like that, right? And so you meet her, you get married, and you go, now, it's been 20 years, and now she's a size 14. Now, listen. Listen. When you met her, what was your flavor? Size what? Size six. Now, what's your flavor? Size 14. Exactly. Exactly. That's your flavor. That's your new... That's your, that's what it means to rejoice in your wife. It means to go, man, I love your squeezable parts. I love how you, I love you, I, I desire you, I long for you. It's finding joy. Man, I blew this so bad. I blew this so bad. I was so young and stupid. You know what I did? I made little sort of indirectos. How do you say that in English? Um, right, indirect statements, indirect statements to my wife, you know, about her weight and all that other stuff. And I hurt her and I scarred her. It was such a bad thing to say. I would make jokes, such a bad thing to do. I hurt her by doing it. And I hurt me too by doing it. Man, don't go down that road. Don't go down and take it from an old guy. Don't go down that road. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. You satisfy me. Ladies, this is easy to apply, right? You know, um, you know he had long flowing locks when you met him, right? What, what, what's, what's your flavor, right? Long dark hair flowing down to his shoulders like Samson, right? Okay. After 20 years, what's your flavor now? Bald. It's bald. Thank you very much, yes. I like him low. I like, I like a bald man. Right. Why? Ah, because that's, you're rejoicing in the husband of your youth. He's like, listen, and this doesn't come naturally because we're self-centered. It doesn't come naturally because we're self-centered and the diet that we get. You know, even J-Lo doesn't look like J-Lo. You understand that? Like even, they just recently did, a, and I should, man, if I would have thought of it sooner, I would have, I would have, remember um, Beyonce put up a, um, a picture of herself and it was doctored. They found out that it was, and this is Beyonce. Beyonce doesn't look like Beyonce. Like, and this is a stupid selfie. Could you imagine what they're doing on the magazines? She made her, she made her thighs more narrow. She made her legs straighter. She did all this like touching up, like uh, how, how do you, uh, you know, like Adobe kind of stuff. 
on a Photoshop. Yeah, that's what it is. She did like, she Photoshopped herself for a selfie that she was going to send to Twitter. Who does that? Evidently a lot of people. So what am I saying? Because we feast, because we diet on stuff that's not true, then when we see stretch mark, then when we see great hair, then when we see a little bit, we go, oh. And it's ridiculous. It's silly. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, he's going to speak about the wife now. A loving doe, a graceful deer. You should say that to your wife sometime. It's very sexy. You are my loving, I'm looking at my wife now. You are my loving doe, my graceful deer. That's my voice. That's my sexy voice. Um, yeah, it actually has a lot of uh, 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 erotic imagery in it, but we can't, we'll, we'll pass through it. May her breasts satisfy you always. Don't need explanations. Um, may, <laughs> terrible. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. That means, that means listen, does this even need to be explained? Right, just rejoice. Now, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of you are dating, and you're going, oh, this applies to me. I told you, I'm speaking to married people. This, listen, you're, if you're dating someone, let me tell you why this is, and let me just say this for a second. And I know you go, oh, of course you're going to say this. You're a pastor. This is, this is why I don't go to church. This is stupid. And, and so, and I, I, if I got you for one time, let me tell you, sex is not a physical thing. It's not. It's absolutely not. Don't kid yourself. Sex is a soulish thing. If you don't believe that, I've never, never, no matter how close my friend was, I've never wanted to commit suicide if my friend moved to the other part of the country. Never. Not once. Oh, man, we'll write. Make sure you hook me up on Facebook. I'll drive you to the airport. Never wanted to kill myself. But I tell you, I've been, you want to kill yourself. After two years of being sexually involved with someone and they say, that's it, I'm leaving. I've counseled people who wanted to kill themselves. Sex is a soulish issue. It's like spiritual super glue. If you don't believe that, just think about, and, and this only, for some people, this is not really valid because they were sexually abused and so something broke inside. But if you weren't sexually, sexually abused, the first person that you were ever with, you remember every detail about them. You remember what clothes they were wearing, what per, how they smelled. You remember the uh, place that you were in, their first name, their last name, their mom's name. You remember everything, everything. But person number 13, Jose, was it Ricardo? Was it, what, was their, what was their last? And God forbid, person number 23, it, you don't even bother trying to remember them. In fact, you're trying to forget them. Because sex is emotional superglue. God made it so that you could have a bond with your spouse that when times get tough, you have that bond together. You know what you do when you attach yourself sexually to somebody and then you break apart and then you attach yourself next to somebody else and then break apart? You know what you do? You're practicing for your divorce. That's what that is. It's practice for your divorce. Because the fact is, you get the most strong adhesive tape in the world and it sticks to something really good. You do that a couple of times. After a while, it's like a post-it note. It doesn't have any adhesive power. I just explained to you what your problems are in marriage for some of you. You attached yourself to too many people. And now the bond with your spouse is not there. Oh, beloved. Don't hurt yourself. There's two really, really big things to overcome. Listen, if you're sexually promiscuous, there's two things you're going to have to overcome. One is that you're going to have to overcome your own thoughts and your own uh, history, and you're going to have to deal with comparison. That's a scary thing. I hate the idea of my wife comparing me to someone else. No guy wants that. Second thing, you're going to struggle with jealousy. Promiscuous people struggle with jealousy. You know why? Because when you're with a bunch of people, you think everybody else is like that. And you start 
and, and man, God forbid you started to cheat on people that you were with or were cheated against, I'm telling you, it has devastating effects. You, you find your wife winds up paying for the girlfriend three, three girlfriends ago. She's paying. Where'd you go? Let me see your phone. Let me, uh, you go on the internet. Like, who? Oh, man. Pain. All right. What can you do? Um, why, my son, be intoxicated with another, woman's, with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? And for those of you who think, by the way, I know there are people here who think that, well, but he hates his wife or he hates her or she hates her husband. And do you know what the percentage is? I just, I just found this out this week while I was doing this um, or two weeks ago while I was doing this study. You know what the percentage is of those people who get married, who get into marriage from an affair, like, you know, he's and they know and all that other stuff. You know what the percentage is? 3%. 3%. So three people out of 100. So that, those are your odds. And you know how many of those people get divorced? 75%. So more than two out of three get a divorce. You know why? Because your prize was an adulterer. See, it's cool when you're the person on the side, when you're the Mr. Sexy. But five years later, when you're now the married person, you have to finally come to terms and ask yourself, who's Mr. Sexy? Who's Mrs. Sexy now? Because I'm not Mr. or Mrs. Sexy. I'm the married person. For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. Okay, I'm going to do this quickly. This is where we've been going. I've been, I've been trying with all my heart to convince you, to show you, to illustrate to you how painful and destructive it is to have a marriage where you consider adultery an option. Hopefully, those of you who are not married, I've been trying to explain to you as well that you would flee sexual immorality. That you would just decide, this is not going to be something in our relationship. This is not going to be something I do. Hopefully, pornography and, and destructive images will not be a part of your diet. But I know, I know that I'm speaking to several different groups. Now, before I do, I'm going to hopefully be able to explain to you something better than adultery, better than fornication, better... The reason that I tell you this, and by the way, the reason that I tell you all this stuff is because you'll never find your satisfaction, you'll never find your joy, you'll never find your salvation in sin. It won't happen. I know that Satan tells you that you won't be happy unless you have her, unless you have him. I know that. I know that Satan tells you that unless you watch that image, you won't, you won't be happy. I'm telling you the exact opposite is true. The exact opposite is true. And so you go, after the sermon, you go, that's it. I'm not going to turn to promiscuity. I'm not going to turn to adultery. Here's what's going to happen. By the end of this month, you will have found yourself in promiscuity and in adultery, if you find yourself close at all right now. Because you simply don't, you do not have, if you got from this message, try harder and do better. It's been my fault, but I've been trying to warn you. Hopefully, I can make that transition now because it's not about you trying harder or doing better. It's about you finding your ecstasy somewhere else. It's about you finding your joy elsewhere. And so here's what the Bible says, and this is really, really passionate and beautiful imagery. It says that Jesus is like our spouse and that the church is like Jesus' spouse, and that we will be intimate in such a way that will make an orgasm seem like a dull, pervasive pain. The kind of intimacy that we're going to have with Jesus is going to be unspeakable. And this is why Satan wants you to commit adultery, commit fornication, have sexual um, images rolling around in your mind, because here's what Satan's plan is. The most intimate thing that you can do in the whole world is become naked in front of another person and let them into your body. That's the most intimate thing you can do. There's, I mean, it is crazy intimate. In fact, it's, I don't have to labor that. You understand what I'm saying. Satan figures... If he can mess up your intimacy this way, 
then there'll be no problem messing up your intimacy this way. You see, if Satan could destroy your spiritual super glue like this, how easy will it be to destroy your spiritual glue like this? If Satan, if Satan could sabotage your ability to invite into your life in the most intimate way people that you see, how easy will it be for him to let you not invite the one that you can't see into your life? You see, intimacy is found in Christ. Joy and satisfaction. You go, but I got needs. I know, me too. But, but, but I, I, I'm not getting my needs met. Sometimes, listen, we all get, right? Can we all raise our hands, right? All of us don't have our needs met at one time or another. The point when your needs are not being met is not to run to sin, but to run to your Savior. So when you go, but God, I feel lonely. She doesn't meet my needs. She seems like she's not pleased with me. She just, you know, she's not attracted to me anymore. We're talking about husbands and wives now. Uh, she seems like she's not attracted to me anymore. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't find me appealing. I feel devastated by that and all that other stuff. Lord, tell me how much you love me. Whisper sweet nothings in my ear. Remind me through your word that you'll never leave, you'll never forsake. Or maybe you find yourself in a horrific marriage situation. And I'm not talking about physical abuse. That's, you know, if you're, if you're physically being abused, here's a simple solution. If you go 911, that problem gets solved unbelievably quick. Okay? All right. So, um, and, and talk to me about that af after this meeting. And by the way, I've seen it. there's a growing number of men um, who are being physically abused. I'd love to talk to you as well. And there's a lot of shame associated with that, but you can... We'll talk and we can get with that. If you find yourself in a horrible marriage situation and you say, I can't, I can't, this is too tough, go, this is not, this is not the marriage that makes me happy. This is the marriage that makes me happy. This marriage is imperfect. This marriage is going to be perfect. This marriage lacks intimacy. This marriage with Christ Jesus is my satisfaction. Jesus is my fulfillment. Jesus is my joy. Jesus is the one who fills me with himself. Jesus is the one who takes away my loneliness. Jesus is the one who addresses my insecurities with his love. Jesus is the one who touches on those fractured, wounded places with wholeness and, and spirit. It's for you. It's for you. So, in conclusion, you're here. There's three of you here. Some of you who have had your affairs, I want you to know that salvation and forgiveness is found in Christ. Run to him. Run to him. You're not worse than me. I'm worse than you. Run to him. Find your salvation in Christ. Find your identity. Find your beauty. Find your wholeness. Find your wonderful, happily ever after in Christ. There's another group of people here. You're right on the ledge. I'm telling you, this is your opportunity. This is your chance. If you sin and you blow up your life, you would give, any, you would give anything to be back here in this moment. You would give anything. And then there's a third of you there. There's another group of you who are just like, who cares? Uh, who cares? I'm, I'm, I'm texting my girl now. I'm texting my guy now. And you're just going to, you're just going to go through with your sin. I, I, I'm getting that sight ready to look at. You're just going to go through with your sin. And to you, I only have one word. Remember. Remember what we said here. Remember that Jesus loved you enough to put a, a sign post up for you. Imagine this with me. Listen, and let me just give you one more shot to just turning from this sin. Imagine. Imagine it's a year from now, and you blew up your, your marriage, and your kids are crying and now have to go to a, a, a therapist to deal with the emotion of you having to have left the house because your spouse kicked you out. 
Imagine it's a year from now and your kids are wailing. You're sleeping in a single room. You, you can't even talk to your wife yet because it's so fresh. The pain and the suffering are so new. Imagine it's a year from now. Let me tell you, even if you don't know Jesus, even if you don't, you'll pray. You would pray. You would say, God, I wish you could take this from me. I wish, I wish you could stop the divorce paper from going through to that lawyer. I wish you could stop this person. Maybe you're, you know, you know the, the person called you up and said, that's it, I can't take it. I'm telling your wife. I'm telling your girl. I'm telling your husband. You would pray in June for a snowstorm. You say, God, give me a miracle. Stop her from, stop him from telling my spouse. You would do anything. You would do anything. If it was a year from now, you would be praying that God would hear your prayer. Here's a thought. Here's a thought. If you prayed to God and said, God, do a miracle, and God answered you in an audible voice, I have a suspicion that God would tell you, remember February 15th? That was my miracle. That was my Hail Mary. Now you're in the mess. It's 2016, February. You're in the mess. You would beg God for a time machine to go back to this moment so that you would heed God's word. Now watch this. We're imagining that. What if we just imagined that and we said, okay, snap your fingers with me. One, two, three. Look at this. It's February 15th. You're here. You don't have to go through all that pain. The, the miracle happened. The time machine went back. You don't have to experience all of that suffering. Let your miracle begin now. Turn to Jesus. Turn from sin. Find your rest and satisfaction in Jesus, not in the arms of sin. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this moment. I thank you for our talking about really hard things and difficult things. Lord, I pray for the people who are listening on the podcast right now who had to, who are thinking right now, how do I get out of the adulterous affair that I'm in? I'm in too deep. It's too terrible. I pray that you would give them wisdom, that you would help them to confess, that you would help them to walk away from the sin that they're partaking in. I pray for those that are here, Lord, that you would so touch their hearts that they would turn from sin, find their satisfaction in Christ, growing in love with Jesus. Remind them, oh God, that the lovemaking that they're looking for is found in Jesus, not in the hands of an adulteress or a fornicator. Speak to us, oh God. Give us wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard and help us to find our solution in Christ. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you next week for part three of five ways to wreck your life. His presence, his love is so thick and tangible in this room tonight. And there are some of you here that have not encountered the love of God. And tonight, God wants to encounter you and wants you to feel His love, His amazing love. Without it, these are just songs, these are just words, these are just instruments. Without the love of God, it's, it's just like we're just up here just making noise, but the love of God changes us and we're never the same. We're never the same after we encounter the love of God. We're never the same after we encounter the love of God. And right now, if you haven't encountered the love of God, and you would know because you wouldn't be the same. You would never be the same again.